Hello there and welcome to episode 70 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. This week I am excited and happy to introduce you to Lee Lam. So Lee is a blind spot consultant, coach and founder of Lee Lam Associates. So Lee's a really interesting character, someone that kindly joined me on the inaugural Natural HR event in the UK in May 2018. And she delivered a fantastic session around Ditch the CV, which is one of her other programs you can find out about on her website. But to give you a bit of, bit of a measure of Lee as we get going in this conversation, I loved when she shared that I don't automatically assume that the way things are done is the way things have to be done. Lee role models and from a very young age the importance of curiosity. And there's a lot of talk about that right now with regards to World Economic Forum, with regards to the skills that we need to be augmenting technology with uh, as we go forward. So I really loved hearing that passion, that energy for curiosity from, from Lee. And something else I thought was really powerful, she spoke about the fact that some of the ideas that sound ridiculous at the beginning, there's a kernel of something in there. Whilst the idea may not be possible, the intention should be harnessed. How important a comment is that? I find that so, so important. So often the voice that isn't the senior leader or the voice that isn't the one that has the assumed power um, tends not to be heard, yet it could be the wild, crazy idea that whilst it may not be able to be implemented, could actually spark the next phase of innovation or creativity or idea that could be a game changer for your organisation. So truly do try and see every individual as that with the unique gifts that they all have. So enjoy the conversation. That gives you an idea of where we're going to go over the next uh, 30, 40 minutes. And as always, we'd be very grateful for any feedback you may offer. You can find me, Gary Turner, at Gary Turner Zero. It's Gary with two R's on Twitter. And I'll speak to you soon. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And today I'm excited to introduce you, the listener, to Lee Lam, who has her own independent consultancy and is here to talk to us about all things being human today. So hello, Lee. Hi, Gary. How are you doing? I am very well. And thank you for joining me today. As we get going, would you mind just letting the listeners that are joining us um, right now to know a little bit more about you as Lee? So what do you do for work? Um, and also, what are you passionate about? would be really cool. Okay, so um, hi everyone. I um, I usually start by introducing myself and saying like, don't Google me because I have a lot of different opinions and I share them everywhere. So um, I'm definitely not someone who's had, who's got like one mission. I've got a number of things that I do and they're all wrapped around the same kind of premise. So I am a blind spot consultant. So I work with companies and individuals on trying to help them understand what the blind spots are that they may not be aware of but others around them may be and hopefully catch them before they get tripped up. I also work with Team Dynamics so uh, I use a product called the GC Index to uh, in, in a program I run called Making Us Work which is just around trying to make sure that teams are aware of each other's strengths and to create a really good power team. I also do uh, people consultancy. So I run a program called Ditch the CV, which is my mission to try and get people and organizations to think 
very differently about how they use the people within their organization, how they work with them to make better decisions and not just go with how things have happened in the past. I also work with startups, particularly around growth. So um, my, my background was 23 years in investment banking and a lot of my roles were COO based. So I've seen how big business do their operational side of things. And I think a lot of smaller companies through the fear of success, because they don't want to predict that they'll be successful. They don't make some good choices at the very beginning when they're small. And so they start running into problems when that success ultimately arrives. So I work with them to just put in some big business thinking when they're small so that they can scale appropriately. That's all the kind of stuff I do with businesses and organizations, but I wear many, many hats. And uh, the other couple of things that I deal with, I'm, uh, I've been a coach for 14 years and my particular passion is working with people with guilt. So I authored a book called Journey Through the Guilt Trip where I try to explain to people how guilt can actually be a very positive um, emotion to deal with and you can use it in a very empowering way. Uh, I also run a podcast from that, the Guilt Free Friday podcast that helps uh, facilitate that conversation a little bit more. And then finally, finally, <laughs> I, am, uh, I began a mental health campaign called Be Kind Today which is a very simple, simple but effective way for mental health sufferers and allies to find each other and to start the conversation that we all need to have around mental health. So yeah, don't Google me. It's, it's complicated out there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You do know, so we've now got so many hundreds of people about to go and Google you. So there we are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you can't say you did, weren't warned. It, it, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> I love that Lee but no look thank you for the explanation I think what's, what comes up for me straight away which is really interesting is just the the depth and breadth of your interests but I particularly like to with the name of the course the podcast value through vulnerability really like to get down you know the guilt thing's interesting ditching the CV you know there's so much that you're doing for me comes back to this ability to see the human being behind all of these other things that we've built up over the years in the world of work whether it's a CV whether it's wearing a mask or whatever it might be where is your interest personally come from you're clearly very holistic you're very energetic to try and serve all these different areas where's that come from for you because if I look at your history I love the idea that you studied law and American studies I wonder how that informs where you are today <laughs> oh it, it definitely does I think so I decided to do law when I was about 13 years old and um, I should explain I am um, my background is I was brought up on a council estate I went to you know the school in the area that was considered one of the roughest you know I, I wasn't there was no kind of there was definitely no silver spoon going on for sure but I think what I always noticed when I was younger and as I grew up was that I don't automatically assume that the way things are done is the way things they have to be done um, I do like rules and, and I think that's why the law appealed to me in a way but I like laws that make sense and I like structure that makes sense and so I just find myself repeatedly going through things of okay so that's how things are but why and is that the best way 
and what I notice is a lot of the when you talk to people who feel stuck or vulnerable or powerless there's an assumption in what they're saying that they can't change things that the way it is is just the way it is they have to somehow find a way through and and a lot of self-help and self-development theories run on the same basis it's about how to gain the system how to work within the system how to make the system work for you whereas my approach is let's just check that the system is the way it's supposed to be first right and if it's not let's break it and make something better so i've always had a real kind of disruptive way of thinking the it, interestingly the the work that i did in my degree for american studies kind of brought that through because America is a fascinating place, which is a, it's an experiment. It's an experiment in taking a blank page and putting all the good stuff and assuming that that's going to work that, you know, and, and it's fueled so much of their thinking. The fact that they believe that they started from scratch and they just took the best bits of everything else and, and pulled it together. And so that is, utterly unique in the in the world so i think the two combined really did kind of set me off on this journey of looking for what if what if we could start with a blank page would we really get to the same point as we are now that's so interesting because you've touched on so many sort of areas of interest from my side with this podcast which is around that curiosity part challenging the status quo you know being courageous to do so so and I really liked your point, which is really fascinating, actually, is that a lot of self-help is actually designed to help you find your way to conform within the current system rather than try and recreate a new one. It makes me think of that bookmark, Buckminster Fuller quote, yeah, um, which I love. You, know, you never change things by fighting existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing yeah. model obsolete. And it just that screams out to me from your work that that's very much how you, you approach things. Oh, definitely, definitely. And it's not always made me particularly popular in the corporate world <laughs> because they quite, they quite like having things as they are, but equally you know, big companies have, have got this major challenge that their disruptors are not as big as them, but they're way more effective and they, they have to find a way of coping with this. And the way that I see is that the big difference in the way they think is this idea that things can be just trashed and started again. Big companies don't have the luxury of a blank page. And, and that really does stifle a lot of the creativity that might be within their organisation. When you talk to younger people who are, quite frankly, a bit put off by large corporates because of this idea that you just become a number and you just have to fit in, so many more young people are now starting their own companies and when you talk to them there is a very big focus on i don't want to do it that way i want to be able to flex with what i know reality looks like now and that can't be facilitated when an organization gets big and cumbersome and i think it makes a big difference to the way that the world works as a whole big businesses do not have the the handcuffs over society that they might have had previously society is more fluid and therefore businesses have to try and adapt to that as well 
It's, it's a really powerful comment you've made for me, actually. And, and, and I wonder, I wonder what your thoughts are on this, Lee, because what comes up for me when you speak about corporates don't have the luxury of a blank page, totally empathise with that. But what they do have is this talent, a lot of it that isn't actually speaking up or isn't, or that view isn't sought from that organisation. So I think there's a metaphorical blank page within the business, but so, yeah. so, so often is it actually sought? because it wouldn't be the idea from those at the top. Does that resonate or do you challenge that? I'm just oh, no, absolutely. I, I think you're, you're bang on because the luxury of a blank page is that nothing exists. And so their logic is always, we have to worry about our current shareholders, our current employees, our current structure, our current commitments. How can we possibly do this? But in reality, the decision is theirs at any point to create that blank page. They just have to be prepared to, right? 2008 and the financial crisis, we saw a lot of businesses in the financial sector go from thinking that redundancy was the worst thing you could ever tell the market you were going to do to one of the best things that you could do because it demonstrated that you were trying to control the situation. And that for me is a powerful example of exactly that, of saying, actually, if we if we don't create a blank page here, we're going to die. We have to start from scratch. Now, the point you were making about there are people in the organization who already think like that is really important because those are the people that without being heard will leave. They'll, they'll go somewhere else or they'll become so disenchanted and, and unengaged that even when you start asking them, they'll be like, no, not interested anymore. So obviously you can't take in every single, you know, madcap solution that people come up with. But equally, some of the, the ideas that sound ridiculous at the beginning, there's a kernel of something there. And while the idea might not be possible, the intention behind the idea can really make movement. And big companies have to get better at getting that conversation to go on a little bit longer so yes the original idea may not be practical but actually let's dig a bit deeper into that what's the intention behind the idea what's the person's view of what that idea means to them and maybe that's something you can run with because if you don't the next company who is slicker and more efficient they'll just take that idea and run with it anyway that's, that's, that's actually really powerful. I love that. Yes. Yeah, so, so sometimes you say that the big crazy idea may not in itself not be practical, but there's the intention behind that. You know, what is the thinking? What's the challenge? What are they seeing in their unique view of the world that no one else can yeah. see? That maybe it's just not fully formed enough or not quite coached out of them. Maybe that's where your coaching comes in. It's to, okay. So what is, what are you actually seeing? Yeah. And, and that's for sure. I mean, thinking of something like employee engagement, a lot of companies would say to the staff, you know, what can we do to make it better? And there's this whole thing now around, you know, free fruit, fruit and ping pong tables and you know, comfy chairs. And, and, and it's, it's got slightly ridiculous. But the important part to remember about that is actually the next question. If somebody says to you, well, give us free fruit. Why? How will that make you feel? What is it you're trying to achieve through that? And that's the part that gets missed. 
So we have the idea that seems a little bit silly after a while and, and doesn't achieve the aim because the aim was never about the fruit or the ping pong table. It was about recognizing that you've got people who halfway through the day might need to have a break from their work, which is where the ping pong table comes in to be more effective when they come back to it. Or someone who just wants to feel that the company understands that as an individual, they need to be, be kept healthy or just looked after. So it's always the intention behind it. And what can happen is a company will try a few things. They won't work because the intention wasn't understood. And they'll go, oh, well, you know, they didn't want it. They didn't want all these things that we gave them. Well, it was never about that. It was about the intention behind it. That's really nice. And I'd like to use this as a bit of a segue, actually, back to the work, you know, when your big passion area is around the blind spot. Uh, because very yeah. kindly um, you fed back to me, shared a report, because um, there's a free um, an assessment on your website, yes. I believe. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? And also, where, where does this passion for you as Lee come from to help people um, identify their blind spots? Yeah, I mean, so on the website, you can, there is a survey that you can fill out that covers a number of different areas of an organisation. And just asks you questions about the blind spots. So, you know, how comfortable are you that you know the values of your company? How comfortable are you that they are followed? Things like that. Because what I realized is I've worked with a lot of senior staff, a lot of senior leaders, and they have this, this issue of needing to have clarity, open and honest, communication from below them mm -hmm. but there's also a hierarchy that can sometimes get in the way of that people do not like giving bad news upwards so it's filtered it, it's every everything's fine everything's fine until it's not <laughs> now my experience in the financial sector is that there there becomes this idea that senior leaders know there's information that they need because they're you know it's their um, job on the line if it's not kept but equally they don't tend to give a lot of permission inside the organization for people to to speak the truth and to say actually that thing isn't really working so I was trying to find a mechanism where they could have some of the considerations but in a way that nobody else is in the room while you're conducting the survey right you can do it in your office late at night but it helps you get a sense of how much you genuinely know about your organization and for me that was really important because as a COO my role was always to, to identify the blind spots before anybody else did so it was my job to find that the budget wasn't quite stretching as far as we did or finding that we weren't hiring people as quickly as we should have or even you know we're in the wrong locations it was always the things that I'm, my training in that job was this is the data we have what's the data that we don't have that maybe we need to because equally I've seen senior teams be pulled into those emergency fire drill type situations where something has happened and the first thing anybody says is who knew who knew that this was likely you know how could we have predicted this and the data is always there it's just a question of giving permission for people to, to tell you. So for me, the blind spot in organizations is critical because 
at first of all from a risk assessment point of view you know companies are not brought down by the data that they know about and they are brought down by the things that they don't know about but equally it's a really important way of bringing in everyone in the organization you know having somebody in the lower levels feel empowered to be able to say look this could work better this thing that everybody's not looking at is going to cause problems and having that taken seriously and investigated seriously can really help them feel like they're part of something you know and then it's not just they work for a company but they really feel part of the company and therefore you get greater engagement so again because i look at things holistically even though i'm dealing with something quite practical i can see the tendrils of impact that it has around it well, we'll come back to the game changer index in a minute because i'm working out which ones you are lee as you talk <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you would work out <laughs> <laughs> there's what's really interesting what you just described around your work in blind spots is there's two really key themes i'm passionate about as well which is around inclusion and you yeah. spoke to that around getting more diverse views more different people's views at different levels but also safety you know because once you know what your blind spots are how safe do people feel to speak about their own blind spots also those of the organization as a whole yeah yeah I, and you can tell that through um when people do appraisal feedback like 360 feedback uh, there is a there is a school of thought that says you should never really be surprised at the feedback you get from others but actually sometimes you can because you have a vision of yourself and how you perform within your role that's different to other people now we when we're looking downwards so when a manager is providing that appraisal down to their staff there's almost an assumption that they will find something wrong you know and, and, and not in a bad way but you know we always have to have the uh, points of growth that they always love because it you know that's the thing that you're going to be checked on the next time but what's interesting is the feed, feedback upwards and how much the manager is open to their team telling them what they could do better there's a certain kind of personal vulnerability i think in, in managers being able to sit there saying tell me how i can improve but it without the permission without knowing that when you ask that question you are really open to someone saying well you could be better at this and your your guard doesn't come up and you don't justify your behavior that's the real trick of you know for me it turns a manager into a leader a leader is much more open to say yeah you know what you're right i i missed that i i didn't spot that and i'm really glad that you felt able to say it that's so powerful and as, as you know vulnerability is a big passion area of mine i just love the fact that you just spoke to vulnerability ultimately certainly one part of but a key part is the bridge between quote being a manager of a process ultimately and being the leader yeah. of that team and i think that's so powerful Lee. yeah I, I i just i think vulnerability exists it, you know it is one of those things that we as a human being we have vulnerability and yet in organizations we try to convince ourselves that to do the job we have to show none of it and i just think that that is the wrong way to go about it because vulnerability is the thing that keeps us all human it, it reminds us that we are all made of flesh and blood 
and we can all be hurt in exactly the same ways. There's no, we don't have any superheroes. We have strong people who are stronger by admitting their weaknesses. You know, the things that they are vulnerable for, their softness. And I think organizations are just missing a trick by not finding a way to embrace that. And particularly with the managers who, most, most management levels, their objectives are very KPI-based or metric-based. When actually, so I, when I was a, a manager myself, I was given 360 feedback from my team. And my manager at the time actually marked me down because she said the feedback from my team was so good that I couldn't have been doing my job as a manager right. <laughs> and I remember sitting there saying, so because my team like me are engaged, are performing, but they feel able to come and talk to me, I'm not doing my job right. Well, no, because they, they should feel that you are pushing them. You, they should feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I was just never satisfied that that was the only way to be a manager. Um, and subsequently, as I've done more investigations through my coaching and the people I've worked with, I get more and more sure that that is not the approach to take with people. It's so interesting, isn't it? That, that example you just shared, Lee, is really interesting for me because ultimately that line manager at that time, that communication to you was more about their fear than anything to do yeah. about how you was leading your team. It's so interesting. We always look outside of ourselves as to what's going on. And actually, it's, it's, a lot of this is internal. It's all internal. Yeah, no, completely. And I think when I look back at, at that manager, um, the reputation they had was incredibly, uh, they were brilliant. I mean, they were an amazing manager, but they had a hardness to them that made it difficult for people to interact with them. And you're always a little bit nervous about telling them anything bad. And what was interesting is the longer they did the role, they slowly softened up. Mm -hmm. And when I think back to the manager who told me that and the manager who I knew two or three years later, who was far softer, who was far more able to say, yeah, that's fine. Actually, you're doing, you're doing okay. You're doing it the right way. Um, it's, in, it's, it's always interesting to see how when people think they're doing the right thing, but it feels intrinsically wrong to them, how eventually that has to come out. And I would say they were a much better manager when that softness was allowed to be exposed a little bit and people just felt far more comfortable around them. It's, this is so fascinating for me because I'm just, I'm just looking at all of these myriad of amazing things you're doing, Lee. And I'm really interested <laughs> by the correlation or some link between what you're just describing and the Ditch the CV program that you have, because mm. I'm really intrigued because for me personally, the CV for a long time now has been a terrible sifting exercise. You know, I got a degree. I'm grateful for that. But I've seen amazing candidates get chucked out of the system because they didn't have a degree, yet they were far, far better. Yep. But like, aptitude and skills wise and desire to learn and to grow wise than the person that got the job and I've seen it time and time again so I'm really interested in what's going on around vulnerability you know humanness ditch the CV just talk a little bit about how that project came about for you and why you're so passionate around ditch the CV so 
obviously as as anyone you are a candidate and your client so i've been a hiring manager but i've also been a candidate and when you talk to people about cvs no one likes writing them no one likes reading them and we don't trust them anyway and it just i can't understand why we've got entire industries around something that we know does not give us the best people and as a as a coo i was always frustrated by the the job search process where we were telling we were given this big process of oh you have to give in your cv to one of maybe six agents uh, if you go to a different agent we we can't use you because they're our preferred suppliers then we have a system that makes it a real lottery because so my big gripe is fairness this definition of fairness because most human resources theory will say you have to be fair that whatever process you do you have to be fair but this has been misinterpreted and redefined to mean we have to give everybody exactly the same opportunity all sounds great apart from the fact that we're all different and if you open the doors too broadly you have you just shift the problem so the problem started as how do we find the right candidate and to answer that our search net has got wider and wider and wider and now it's entirely possible that a job advertised that's based in i know london is actually advertised globally on somewhere like LinkedIn. So you're inviting the entire world to, ag- to apply for your role, which feels fair, right? Because if you're looking for the best person, you go, well, I'm gonna throw my net out to everyone. The problem is you then have a thousand, 2000 CVs to go through because everyone in the world has looked and gone, yeah, I can do about 10% of that job, I'll click apply, right? In there is your ideal candidate, but you have no idea. All you've done is taking it from the 7 billion people in the world to maybe 2,000 people who bothered to click the button. And then you always have to have a filter. So a lot of places now use the keyword searches. So they look through and they go, they've got to have certain words on there. So now you're, you're not finding the best talent, you're finding the people who know what keywords to look for. But even that might only bring it down to 1,000, 500 CVs. A person is not going to go through 500 to 1,000 CVs and adequately assess every single one of them. When we're faced with a huge volume of stuff, as humans, we tend to go... I'll just pick a handful and the law of averages says that if I pick say 20 to look at in there, there'll be roughly someone who sort of meets the criteria because we've already done that bigger filtering. So we know that they're roughly in the right area. So out of a thousand CVs, you might look at 20. So the 980 could still contain your perfect talent, but you're not looking not for any other reason than the volume is too high. It just makes no sense. But we create this idea that it's fair. It's fair to those 20 who you finally do assess. 
is it really fair to the other 980 who think they've applied for your role, but actually haven't even been looked at? And I think for me, the CV is the catalyst behind a, a fundamentally flawed process that says that in the interest of fairness, we have to keep the scope wide and broad and let everybody do it, where actually that works against us and for me is an inherently unfair system. So in terms of what you're doing with your work is to modernise the process, Lee, or to raise awareness? Yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if the world was perfect and agreed with me completely, <laughs> <laughs> we would not use CVs at all. Um, but I am aware that the entire people management process is geared around the CV being part of it. So for me, it's about starting the discussion. So I have the program actually goes from how are you designing your organization? So how are you deciding who, who the, your business needs anyway? Right the way through the recruitment process, through the onboarding process, through to talent management, promotion, progression. And it also looks as well at when we try to when we realize the system is broken, so we try to game it. And by that, I mean the graduate schemes, the apprenticeship schemes, the returner schemes, all these concepts, which are fantastic ideas, but are just plasters over a broken system, in my opinion. Because like you said, everyone's got a degree because they know that a degree is necessary. And because of that, we now have graduate schemes which take the people with a degree which is still too big a group and say right we're going to filter you down so does that mean that out of the 20 spaces that are taken on the graduate scheme all other graduates are, are worthless to us I, I don't I don't get the rationale it's fine if you're at the table it's not fine when you're not anywhere where we have a limited amount of places at the table for people is an opportunity lost, in my opinion. Um, if you look at, say, apprenticeship schemes, you might have, say, 20 or 30 people join an organisation as apprenticeships. What if there's a 31st person who's brilliant, who absolutely deserves to be in your organisation, but the mechanism they use to get into your business is the apprenticeship application process? Are your or is your organization connected in a way that you can say, look, they didn't make it into one of these spots, but you really need to take a look at this person. They're really good fit for our company. So what I try to do is bring that holistic view to HR processes that have tended to be set, dealt with separately and have actually stopped talking to one another, assuming that they know how each other thinks. So I try to keep the conversation as holistic as possible and say, so where's, where's the best place to start? It may be for a lot of companies that they want to start at the CV point, at their recruitment process. But once you're looking at that, you ultimately then have to trickle out to what does it mean for everything else? And it's one of the areas that I, I use the GC indexing, because if you're not going to use the CV, you have to find another way of understanding how and who are the best people in your organization and how you'll use them so a lot of my work is around the, getting them to think in a different way i do daily consultancy so i'm not someone who kind of goes in there and and implements 
I sit with the implementers and get them to think it through as they as they need to to make sure that they get the results that they want. It's really powerful for, for anybody that's listening to us talk about this GC index. Mm. Um, of course, you're you're a certified GCologist. As I am in, indeed. Yep. <laughs> I am, or I've not used it anywhere near as much as you. Um, <laughs> But, but I really like the point you're making around the fact you can use this tool. And for anybody that's listening to us now, do go and have a look at the GC Index website. Have a look at um, Lee's contact details you'll find in the show notes because this really is a transformational approach, isn't it, to seeing how people's energy Completely. Works. Completely. I, I love it from two points of view primarily. Um, it really does disrupt people's thinking because we've got this this idea, this assumption that the things that matter most when you're looking at bringing people on is experience and skills. Mm -hmm. Now, experience can be extremely useful, but sometimes having someone who has never seen the environment before come in and ask questions and be curious and go, well, why do we do things like that? And what does that mean? And, and you know, what, why is that process the way that we do things? can also be extremely powerful and particularly more creative. Skills are great. Obviously, if, you, if you're looking for a brain surgeon, you want someone with, <laughs> with the correct level of skills and experience. And, and I usually do have to caveat my ditch the CV with, you know, this isn't everybody. You know, I still want qualified doctors and pilots. But ultimately, there's a lot of jobs where skills and experience can be as much of a negative impact as a positive one because it doesn't keep things fresh and it can be something that stops you seeing someone who has a bunch of potential and just needs someone to believe in them mm. you know when what i love with the gc index is that moment when you show someone how much value they can add to an organization with no experience and no skills and you go just because of the way that you look at things and the way you want to contribute, you can be trained in the skills. You, it, that's that's L&D. That's just straight up education. You can't be trained to think a certain way. And that's, for me, the part that is usually missing when people are looking at jobs, jobs descriptions and, and the ideal candidate. A lot of the tests and profiling tools that are used out there are... I feel quite difficult to get your head around. You know, the terminology they use is quite difficult. With the GC index, it just isn't. It's a very practical and simple vocab. And because of that, you can use it with absolutely everyone and have a decent conversation. And the hiring managers can really get a grip of what that person's going to be like to work with and what they can expect from them. The second way that I think the GC index just trounces the competition to be perfectly honest <laughs> is it has it is entirely neutral in age gender religious beliefs cultural beliefs it, it it strips away all of them so interestingly i i changed on my linkedin profile i changed my photo from a photo of myself to a photo of my profile because I was interested to see if there was going to be a difference in the way that people spoke to me, if they didn't see who I was. And we've got this dilemma within the diversity and inclusion world 
of how do you make sure that people aren't bringing unconscious bias into job descriptions and, and assessments. And it's interesting because when you strip that away, I just, I could be anyone, you know, take away my picture and you just have my profile. And what you've got is a very, very pure way of seeing how somebody thinks and how they're going to behave in your organization. You don't have to know anything else about them at that point. If you made the decision to draw people in based on that profile, I almost guarantee that you would get a far more diverse group because with the best will in the world, when you look at a CV, it is very, very difficult to strip out the information that gives pointers as to gender, age, location, all of those things, and still have a meaningful CV. The GC index for me allows you to do that and makes it a far more inclusive and equal playing field for everyone. My profile is a complete match for a male profile, for a CEO, for an engineer, for, for all of these different people. And you would never know. And, and to me, that, that brings a, an equitable feel to the job search, not a fair one, because there is no such thing. That's, that's so, so powerful. And I think I'm going I'm to add to your your praise of the GC index one of the things that I love about it as well is how it measures not only is it a beautifully inclusive model as you've just described but it measures our energy our proclivity so actually rather than because I find with a lot of the other tools as well that we tend to I can't help it I feel like we're being put in a box with a lot of the other tools you will be an xyz whereas with this it okay there's titles there's five different roles but you I don't know it's something about measuring your energy flow yeah absolutely rather than you're going to be forced into a box because you're now a jfti or whatever it's going to be (laughs) yeah and and i think no absolutely i mean somebody putting on their profile you know i'm an enfj i'm like that's great i have no idea what what i can do with that and only people who are mbti qualified will probably be able to give you a quick assessment to that whereas gc index just the vocab is is easier but i use the gc index for individuals, for teams, for a business, because the five proclivities, the five areas are about the energy of a business, you know, um, and, and I'll do my two minute GC run through and, and hopefully people will see what we're talking about, how easy this is. But from the point of view of a business, right? So the first one is the game changer. The game changer is the person who thought up the business idea in the first place, right? They're the spark of creativity that create the idea behind the company existing. The idea may or may not have commercial benefits. It may not be commercially viable. That's when you bring the strategist in. The strategist says the idea is great, but it's not going to be marketable. Or they say that's a brilliant idea, Let's go with it. I always think if you think of someone like Elon Musk, Elon Musk is a game changer. His company is not profitable without good strategists behind him (laughs) because the ideas are a little bit out there, but they have recognized that there's commercial value in them and the two work really, really well together. But they are both thinking in terms of the idea. They're the powerhouse of the idea of the company. You still need people to roll their sleeves up and get on and create something. That's your implementers. These are the people who within a company may feel that they are doing the most 
the most leg work they they're put upon you know when you talk to implementers sometimes they go oh everyone just gives me their stuff <laughs> but then you ask them do you enjoy it they go yeah actually because i know that at the end of the day i i can see what i've produced i can i can see the difference i'm making so you absolutely need those implementers but the, the implementers just want to get stuff done and they have a point where it's good enough you, you've kind of done enough a company can't stop there because if that would happen, we would still have a lot of steam engine companies, right? We don't because you have the polishers. The polishers say, that's a great idea, but I know how to make it better. I know how to not only keep customers satisfied, but I know how to keep them delighted. I know how to keep them coming back for more. And you need that fourth element to keep the continuous improvement, the innovation in your, in your business. Now you can see immediately that those four areas talk very different languages. And so you need the fifth one, the playmaker. These are the people in your organization whose role is solely to connect those four together. They just need to keep those, those wheels moving, that, that information, that energy in motion. And they can talk the language of all four enough that they can just keep the conversation meaningful and impactful. Now that is the GC index at an organizational level. You can bring that down to a team, you can bring it down to an individual. But within what, three minutes, I've explained the process. What tends to happen with clients that I use it with is in five minutes time, they're talking it back to me and they're, they're talking straight away. Oh, so a strategist would do this and maybe I'm an implementer, maybe that's what that means. They get it and it's so straightforward that is a great leveler you know i take this um gc index into banks and banks by their nature have quite a alpha based personality trait uh historically not not quite so much now but there's this concept of someone being the best and i think a lot of other profiling tools have that issue that there is one characteristic set that appear to kind of wing in some way what i love about using the gc is that you go around and you say well the game change is great but it's nothing without the rest the strategist is great but it was nothing without the rest and you demonstrate the value of every single person in that organization even when the two individuals eyeballing each other cannot for the life of them understand why each of them is important when you take them through the whole cycle and how the energy gets transferred between them all immediately they go okay i don't have to understand the way you're looking at this i just have to know when you're finished how that's going to input itself into my world and it can add a layer of, of dynamics to an organization that wasn't there before and it's so simple it's so straightforward Lovely. So thank you for giving the overview as well. And um, just, I just think, how you do it so eloquent as well. But it is that straightforward. And I think it's certainly something anyone listening to us, particularly back to your point around ditching the CV, you know, if you want to look at your people in a different, more humane way, yeah. then if it's just one tool of others, I'm sure there's others, but I'm, I'm with you. I think this is the best one that actually really allows us to see the individual and on that inclusive basis you mentioned, which I think is lovely. Absolutely. And I, I have to say, I've watched people get their profiles back from a number of different tools. And the only time I've seen a truly 
human experience, a human reaction was with the GC index. And because out of all of the tools that are out there, that's the one that the feedback I hear most is I, I feel seen. I, f I feel like this is me and I can definitely spot it. And they have other members of the team or members of their family say, yeah, actually that is, that is entirely you. That brings that human element, that, that feeling that I was mentioning at the beginning of companies really recognizing that they have human beings working for them, not just, you know, cogs in the wheels in the machines. Well, I think you're wrapping us up perfectly. <laughs> An awesome conversation, honestly. That's just, I think it's just brilliant. All the different facets you're touching, all those important areas, mental health, ditching the CV, you know, your work with GC, just all of it. Just, I just love how you're bringing your, you know, your background, which is like quite process, COO background, but really using that knowledge to help rehumanize yeah. workplace and individuals. I just think it's such a powerful example. Thank you. Thank you. I, I wanted to prove I, I think to myself as well that you can bring everything together like we tend to think that when we are trying to embark on something new or something that feels different than our previous careers that we have to just drop everything and start from scratch and, and I'm a firm believer of you know we go through our life and we pick up these experiences that allow us to learn more and develop Lovely. and our role is to just know what to carry with us and what was best left in in that particular environment and I love the fact that I can switch between a very human holistic view when I'm coaching where I'm dealing with people's on the emotional level but yet I'm just as comfortable going into a strategy meeting talking about very dull processes <laughs> And I can do that. And, and I hope that that demonstrates to other people that you're never just one thing. You're always a, a mishmash of everything you've ever done. And you never know when those, that knowledge that you have, those experiences are going to be important. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Honestly, thank you for joining me. It's awesome. How can people follow up the conversation with you if they want to learn more about your products or just want to connect with you, maybe social media and other areas? Yeah, sure. So I am on, I am on social media. I have, um, because I deal with corporate and personal uh, consultancy and coaching, I actually have two areas. So in Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, you'll find me at Lee Lam Consult for anything to do with Ditch, uh, the Blind Spots and the Team Dynamics. Mm -hmm. For my working guilt and following that process, I'm on Act, Act Lee Lam Journey. So social media is quite simple you can also find me on facebook under live guilt free so i have a number of different channels there that you can get hold of me other than that or if you want to know more information about the work itself and the programs i run my website is www.lelam.co.uk and on there you'll find the link to the blind spot survey so anyone who wants to take a look through more than happy to to let you do that uh, there'll be what I do at the end of it is provide you with feedback. So I read your survey responses and offer some, try to offer some highlights and guidance to what I would then follow up with on those. And then you're free to look at that and, and do it yourself, or obviously call me up and, and have a chat about more, more to do with that. 
I did want to just also point out, I do have my own podcast, <laughs> as you um, quite politely said at the beginning. Um, for the journey through the guilt trip, I actually have a podcast called Guilt Free Fridays. On Instagram, every Friday, I encourage people to tell me why they feel guilty and I reframe it for them and try to make them see that the, the negative way that we hold guilt can misrepresent the situation and so i switch it around so i'm currently looking and, and a shout out to anybody who has experience of feeling guilt in any way shape or form um, under any kind of circumstances whether you're through it or not um, i'm really interested in hearing from people who are experiencing it because i think that's the most powerful way to hear from others that we all have this emotion it's actually quite a healthy emotion it's what we do with it that makes it a problem for us so if there's anyone out there who has a story that they'd like to tell me i'd love them to get in touch and again just through the website would be fine amazing well thanks a lot lee i just want to just uh, add some extra weight do, do go on to lee's website it's a really comprehensive short report but a really comprehensive report some great pointers for anyone that is interested in uh, learning a bit more about their blind spots so thanks a lot lee today been an absolute joy Thanks, Gary, and thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hello there, it's Gary Turner, wrapping up this excellent podcast with Lee Lamb. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I just want to share a few of the key takeaways that I um, am reflecting on now. One of my favorites is where Lee spoke about, what if we could start with a blank page? Would we really get to the same point? What an interesting thing to ask us, each of us as individuals, but also if we're leaders, how would, what would we do if we could actually wave a magic wand and you had a blank page tomorrow? Would you still be operating the same way, having the same conversations, attending the same meetings? Just hold that for a second. I think it'd be really interesting as to what would you change if you could wave a magic wand with that blank page? Because we've all got that within us. We all actually have the ability to wave our version of a blank page. We can do it today. We can do it tomorrow. So it's all about challenging. It's all about curiosity. So do let me know if this resonates with you. Really, really interested by that. Also, Lee spoke another powerful comment, which was that companies are not brought down by the data they know about. They're brought down by the data they don't know about. This speaks directly for me to... Um, the safety. So how safe is your environment? How safe do you feel to speak up, to challenge? Um, how safe do you feel to be vulnerable? And to say you don't know, to say you don't have the answer. You know, it's all deeply linked to, uh, to courage. But I think just a really important point, you know, is what they aren't seeing or what next jump. Fantastic organisation I had the benefit of attending a leadership academy with in June 2019 is they talk about organisational silence. Now, what, what is it that's not being said? Or as Oscar Trimboli would talk about in my previous podcast guest, what's being said beyond the words? So, yeah, have a little think about that. I think it could be really helpful. And then finally, vulnerability for Lee is the thing that keeps us all human. It reminds us we're made of flesh and blood. We are not robots. I, I say it time and time and time again. We only need to fear robots taking our jobs if we're acting like robots, which so many of us are within tight job descriptions, narrow abilities to grow, et cetera, et cetera. So break out of that, you know, be the vulnerable human being, go first, have a bit of courage. And I truly believe that the work is going to be more human. And I'm looking forward to that journey alongside you, the listener.
So I really hope this conversation resonated. Please do leave a review at the podcast app. If you're interested in trying to take your team from what might be a little bit more reactive to something more human-centered, then I'm pleased to announce that there is now a program called Our Safe House. You can find this at oursafehouseoneword.co.uk. It's a two-day leadership retreat aimed at helping people start the journey into more courage, vulnerability, with a growth mindset, etc. So do take a look at oursafehouseoneword.co.uk and you can find out a bit more about um, that particular intervention to help you step into your humanity and to become a more heart-led leader. So until next time, be grateful if you could leave a podcast review on the podcast app at iTunes and take care for now. Thank you.